Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and you already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hey, DC fans, this is John Rocha. Check out the latest live-action series, Titans, available now on DC Universe. New episodes streaming every Friday. The first original series to launch on DC Universe. Titans follows a young group of superheroes, Robin, Starfire, Raven, Beast Boy, and others. It's a gritty take on the Teen Titans franchise. So join the Ultimate DC membership with more info at dcuniverse.com. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Deadpool 2 shot new scenes, and anytime I can talk about Deadpool, I will. We also have some interesting news regarding Bucky and Falcon and a TV show. And in the studio today, we have Deborah Ann Wall of Daredevil Season 3, and I am hype, 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 hype. Hello! Welcome back stateside. Yay! I'm so excited to have you here with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, And you're watching a weird mirror universe where Halloween is me dressed up and this is normal. (laughs) This is, we're, we're transmitting to you from the mirror world. So this is my contribution. 
anyone doesn't know Claire, they totally should. Claire is a giant fan of Halloween and dressing up, as you can see. We were like, <laughs> easy, Claire. You got to take the Halloween down a few notches. I wore this T-shirt and I wore red lipstick and I've got green nails, so that is my Halloween. I'm Halloween. I'm Halloween. But who cares about me? Look who else we've got in the studio. Bill and Ted. Very important. Yeah. Well, I'm excited I, about it. I, let's do it. Yeah. I'm Ted Theodore Logan. And I'm Bill S. Preston Esquire. And together, together we, we are, are Wild Stallions! <laughs> oh my god, round of applause for that, yes. So I didn't know to yes. introduce them as Donnie Cates and Megan, or as Bill and Ted, so I win Bill and Ted. Is how we knew that you're dressed We've been practicing that all morning. Yes. <laughs> Literally the entire time. So excited. We've got dangerous Donnie Cates, because hey. it's Halloween, and Maleficent Megan Hutchinson. Oh, I like, Ooh, I like strong, that. Strong, I thought strong. about that in the cab here. Yeah. Fa- fa- mm-hmm. fa- it was a good morning. It was a good morning. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we, Claire, as always, but crazy Claire Lim. Yes. So this is episode 277. It is Halloween. We are dressed bolder than normal, but this is also <laughs> L.A. most days. You can find this on Sunset Boulevard. Uh, now, this week has been interesting because it's a smattering of news following L.A. Comic Con. Not a lot of big stuff broke until yesterday. We're going to talk about that news in a second. But first, Deadpool 2 is getting a re-release in December. We are getting a new PG-13 cut of Deadpool 2. I have been a loud proponent of Deadpool since Deadpool, but I'm a little worried about PG-13 being a slippery slope that Disney can point to and go, look, the character works in PG-13, and then they castrate my boy, they seal his mouth shut again, I lose everything. Uh, what do you guys think about reshoots being shaping this into a feature-length PG-13 film? Well, um, I was really into this, and they say that it's going to appeal to older fans regardless of the PG-13 um, rating. I'm not sure. Like, I feel like they're trying to squeeze as much out of this as possible. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I, I try to be as positive as possible, but actually underneath this exterior is uh, oldness and cynicism. So I'm kind of saying I think they're trying to squeeze the pip as much as possible. But they did say that they're, you know, what they're trying to do is expand on the existing story. So it made me kind of think, are we going to see more cable? Are we going to see more domino? Are we going to, like, delve into someone's world a little bit more? So that's made me a little bit more excited because it's brand new stuff they're shooting. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like, just leave it be. Can we just have Deadpool 3? I think it's going to be a lot of Cusco-style pauses. Uh, if you guys, Emperor's New Groove or Cusco, like, stops the movie and he tells you what's going on, I feel like it's going to be a lot of, like, and here's where they made me cut blah, 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 and here's why this is a PG-13, <laughs> which is fun and cheeky, yeah. but I feel like if you're going to do a PG-13 cut, you're not going to get as much as we want. We want a Deadpool 3. We want an X-Force. We want to grow. What do you guys think about them uh, going this direction with Deadpool? I just, I just hope that it's uh, an hour long more of Shatterstar. <laughs> As a mm-hmm. as a as a devout fan of the '90s, I just need way more Shatterstar because because my my man got robbed. He did real quick in that film, you know. Um, as for the, like the PG-13 of it all, I don't know. It feels like it'll be ten minutes long. That's what I like, right? What's the movie? And especially with when they kill all of X Force. Spoiler alert! Um, <laughs> how do you do that? You can't do that scene PG-13. So, so I feel like they're gonna cut away. He's gonna narrate it, and then it's gonna be like that joke was the fifteenth time they've done that joke. Yo, what if it was? All the blood and all the gore and everything was just all of a sudden animated, and it was oh. all like pixie dust and unicorn farts and it's stuff. It's canon. That would be great. Yeah, it's <laughs> canon. Yeah, that'd be phenomenal. So, Megan, the movie is basically a hard R character, and they're trying something out to get the children that illegally bought tickets to another movie and snuck in to actually give them their money. Do you think this is a good opportunity for Fox to say, hey, we still make quality films, or do you think it's a good opportunity for Disney to go, hey, we made PG-13 Deadpools? Um, I, I mean, I'm very jaded from working in the studio system, so I think it's just a money grab. 
Just generally. Just generally speaking. Well, I'm like, also a big fan of hard R movies. Especially and in the comic into world. them as a child. Especially with comic books, I think it's really important. Because, like, you know, we work on hard R comic books. And, you know, I don't want to be, like you said before, like castrated. Um, I mean, I guess there is something about, like, extending it to a wider audience and making it, like, more accessible. But uh, I'm, I'm also kind of a snob when it comes to stuff like that. But also, I feel like Deadpool, as is, did just fine. Yeah. It's a $1.8 billion yeah. franchise in two films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's that's doing okay. Yeah, I mean, you want to. I guess you want to. You want to get some. Um, you want to get some some hands on that sweet sweet Walmart audience. Right? <laughs> it is going to be like a dub. It's going to be like listening to Ice T at, at a Walmart. Yeah. Disc. Just yeah. Like, if it's really bad, like TV dubs, hilarious, right? Like the Die Hard dub is like Yippee Kaye, Mother Trucker, or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, if it's just like really terrible stuff like that, I could be on board. Uh, yeah, actually, that'd be a more fun way to do it if they intentionally... And that's... Ryan Reynolds knows Deadpool. He knows what the audience mm. wants. And the director, certainly, we didn't know going into it if they would. I trust the team behind it. I'm only worried about the higher-ups. I think the movie's going to come out fine. I'm just worried about the ramifications of the movie existing. So I think that it's going to be a fun time. I think it's a great thing to go see with your family at Christmas. But <laughs> I'm very worried about losing Deadpool because we've had his mouth sewn shut once. Oh no, man. I, you, you really think that studio executives would ruin something? That doesn't sound right. I mean, I feel like they always trust in the <laughs> yeah, fans always done great in the past, you know? <laughs> they look at a comic and go, that's good as is. Totally. Let's make that. Especially the Fox guys, you know? They've always done really well with the X-Men franchise. If you haven't seen X-Men Origins Wolverine, if you want to know what Wolverine really is... film. <laughs> yeah. Dive Top right in. to bottom. Just dive right in. But Ryan Reynolds being on set makes me happy. Agreed. Them, anytime he's in that suit, yep. I think the world's yeah. a better place. Uh, I'm going to stay optimistic until we see otherwise. I'm let's gonna- call Lifefield. Let's, let's, yeah, let's call him right now. Let's see how he feels about yeah. this. I'm going to be the cynical negativity to your optimism because where we there do. is dark, As there is light, do. and when there is light, there is dark. So I kind of I want to be positive, and I probably will see it, but I do. I'm kind of with Megan on this. Like, just kind of feel like, yeah, you know, like it, we've had Deadpool too. I don't really care about seeing anymore. And also, if they're PG-13, when Robocop came out back in the day, it's not like they made Robocop PG for the kids. The kids <laughs> yeah. just saw it then. Yeah. We just saw yeah. it, you know, and, and that's what it was. Kids have seen this already, and they have enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Unless they're going to do yeah, something like really cool and weird and wacky with it. And I trust in this team, because Deadpool's great, the Deadpool team are brilliant. But I'm not, I'm just not that bothered. Just give us Deadpool 3. Mm -hmm. And just, like, put this in the box, shove it far away, and just let's forget about it. So if you want to find a stranger in the Alps with a new (laughs) cut of Deadpool and also watch a PG-13 Deadpool, some call him Spider-Man. That's an option uh, this Christmas. But in the meantime, Mm -hmm. before then, this is insane news to me because this shows the scope of the MCU. We are getting a Bucky Falcon series coming to the Disney streaming service and Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan are resuming their roles. They're coming back. Mm-hmm. One, means they're not dead. Two, means they get to carry on. Three, it means we get to see this amazing cap duo that we got teased in Civil War. Their dynamic was incredible. But most importantly, this shows that the MCU carrying on, they realize that comics are serialized. They realize that this movie universe they built by basically making a show Bible, those movies are effectively a long series. Now they're bringing it to a series, and I think these two characters being the highest level of street level is a really good opportunity to show what a budget can do when you stretch it out. I was stoked by this news. What do you think? I'm really, really, really excited. Um, I've heard that it's going to be like a kind of comedy buddy sort of duo, which is perfect, and it's, it was perfect seeing them on screen as well. This is... Um, so Malcolm Spellman is tip-tap to write this mm-hmm. uh, from Empire. Um, he... This is 
the most detail we've had from the Disney streaming service so far, because we've had tidbits and some news, you know, with Scarlet Witch and things like that, but this is the most news we've had. Yeah. It's pretty solid. <laughs> I am, I'm really, really, really excited. I think the characters like that, um, you know, because people have gone, but we want this movie and that movie, and sometimes I don't think characters deserve a whole movie. Sometimes it's good to see them progress, like Daredevil, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, but I sometimes think it's just good to have them in TV, just to develop their characters, to show different sides. I'm so, so super stoked. Anything to do with Avengers or any of the characters to do with Avengers and Marvel, yep, happy. Very happy. <laughs> so I'm so all up for it. You work with these characters in a different medium. True story. So they're going from a different medium to another medium, uh-huh. and in my opinion, I think a superior medium for the kinds of stories they can tell. Yeah. When you heard this news, were you like, oh, good, comics are going to be comics? Um, <clears throat> well, I just heard this news four seconds ago. <laughs> uh, what did you feel five uh, seconds back? Uh, delight. <laughs> um, no, I, I should, before I say this, for anybody who, uh, who's watching at home, I should, I should preface this uh, strongly by saying I don't know anything about this. Like, I, you know, I'm like in the, the Hellfire Club of Marvel Comics, but they don't tell us anything. I, my prediction, as soon as I heard about it four seconds ago, <laughs> was that uh, Cap is for sure dead. Uh, because this feels a lot like like a battle for the shield, like who's going to be Cap now, right? Yeah. And you, you, I mean, you can't make a a show about Buck and Falcon with Cap still alive, right? Uh, so yeah, it, it, to me, I just like, oh, that's a bummer. Cap's going to die for sure, though, um, unless uh, we're all wrong and they for sure do die. Both of these guys die, and then it's like they're. Adventures in, in in hell, which I would totally watch. That the Soul Stone verse with yeah, these characters. Watch the hell out of that. That'd be amazing. The Soul Stone verse. The Soul like Stone verse. Or yeah. they just call the show on your left. And yeah. either way, I would totally watch yeah. this duo. Of these no, characters. but R.I.P. Cap for sure. <laughs> so the Disney streaming service is ramping up. This to me says almost once and for all, we are not getting the Netflix characters in the world because if they're bringing in characters we're already familiar with to TV, that looks unlikely. We'll bring that over. What do you think? about the Disney streaming service as a whole and what, like, this announcement bringing it to light. What else are they doing? So far, they confirmed Loki, Scarlet Witch. Oh, oh, I knew that. Yeah, I told you about Loki. Yes, you did. And I... She's all about it. As far as I know, those are separate shows, then this is the third show, as far as I've heard. And they're bringing all the original cast and they're they're shaping it to, like, miniseries one-offs, which, to me, sounds like a great high-budget miniseries in a comic. Oh, yeah. See, but right, but but Loki, your boyfriend, is super dead. Oh, no, he got his neck snapped. Oh, I was totally spoiled. Yeah, that. spoiler. No, Loki's hella dead. I mean, <laughs> he didn't even get, like, creatively stone dead. They, like, he got <laughs> zoomed in and his face blue dead. Yeah, I will say crack, this, crack. though. Okay, but he is a god, so we don't know, actually. Yeah, well. He does keep, he's kind of pesky like that. Like, yeah, and of mischief. Back. He keeps back. He, is, he, he is can, like, that. crack, crack and say it. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah so, I, as, a, as a man who has written L- Loki, I will tell you that his superpower is plot. <laughs> he's good. Loki. He is good at plot, and he's he's a favorite, so mm-hmm. I think he will be totally. back. But I think it would be funny if, with these guys, like you were saying, like Capstead. But uh-huh. what if, like, that he's not? And like, it's always that running joke of like, oh, we're just like waiting for Cap, and he just like never shows up. <laughs> you know, like, like, <laughs> like, oh, okay, I guess we'll have to like hang out together now. Oh, Cap. <laughs> 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 
I would have watched a whole movie of them in the back of that Beetle in Civil War. Like the dynamic oh, yeah. between these two is fantastic. So I think a show. I think that Marvel does a really good job listening to the little moments and expanding on the little moments. This gives us an opportunity to live and breathe these side characters in a way. Like I didn't think we'd ever get a Falcon or Bucky movie. We're getting something more. And long form TV, I think, really gives these guys a time to shine. Uh, what do you think about these characters in particular? Besides the fact that it's you know on your left uh, as a duo for a show. I'm looking forward to it because we've got we've already heard about Scarlet Witch, Loki, and things like that. I kind of want to see a duo. I think it's something a little bit different as well. Yeah. Like, so I'm quite excited because there's a lot to explore. There's a lot of stories. I'm just looking at them like <laughs> they're, um, so, I'm, they're so pretty. They're, they're so great. Um, and buddy cops like that, like I like Riggs and cops? Oh, Bucky is that what you just said out loud? Yeah. Oh God. I kind of feel like because we've had like the grit of the Marvel Netflix averse and things like that. And I think that the Scarlet Witch um, TV show and Loki, that's all going to have its own different flavor. But I kind of want to see a bit of lightness, yeah. fun, mm. action, crime, duel, like comedy. Yes, I'm very up for it. What, what are you looking forward to most? I mean, Sebastian stands from the 40s. He is definitely too old for this shit. Yeah. So I'm very excited <laughs> yeah. for the Riggs and Murtaugh dynamic. I, what if they could squeeze that into I, If the they could make that joke, How even, even hinted that joke. If they can, like, if like, oh. <laughs> my world's collided in such a way, if that can happen, I would love oh that. Oh my god, that would be so great. The thing I'm excited most about is the fact that we get to have comic book translate to film in a way that yeah. Daredevil did so well. Daredevil felt like Born Again plus. Daredevil felt like all the things. We'll get to Daredevil in just a moment. This is my attempt at a tangent because I'm too hype about this. Uh, Daredevil did a thing where it built on the fabric of the medium and then it expanded it to a new medium in a way that translated for people that didn't read the original. I think Bucky is a character that's really hard to tell because he's new enough. Mm -hmm. And he's also a character that is a plot. And Falcon is a character that can be written very poorly. And this is a great opportunity to give characters that wouldn't get their time to shine an opportunity for these actors that wouldn't get their time to shine to have a fully formed story. So from a storytelling standpoint, great. From a Marvel standpoint, great. And most importantly, from people getting back into reading print comics, great. Now people might pick up a Falcon comic or a Sebastian Stan Bucky comic. And they can do that and Marvel can just keep printing money with Mickey Mouse on it, so I'm, I'm all in. Any other Marvel characters you want to see on the streaming service they've not announced? Oh, I mean, I really... I, the Black Widow movie solves that problem now that it's moving forward. Yeah. Scarlet Witch is another uh, a character that I thought, like, when she's suddenly like, why weren't you helping? And I was like, I agree, Infinity War plotline. Uh, <laughs> the characters that I don't feel I like get enough time to shine, I want, and those are the four that I really feel that way yeah. about. So this kind of, like, checks all the boxes for yeah. me. Yeah, they've read your mind. They've gone, we know you, Chloe. Uh, yeah, just like, oh, the guys that I want more time <laughs> with? Because everyone else has a movie. Jeremy Renner, Hawkeye, <laughs> I'd love I to was see. just about to say, every time they roll out one of these shows, I just I I I adore the continued marginalization of Hawkeye. Like, I can't get a Disney streaming show. I have an Oscar. I was in the hurt. Nineteen seasons of Arrow. I can't get a show. I have three breakthrough actor awards. Yeah. I was in SWAT and Hurt Locker yeah. and Dahmer. Let me work. Yeah. Uh, anyone you guys want to see in yeah. a streaming service format? Besides uh, Hawkeye Rodin. Thanos. I just want to see a whole show of the day-to-day operations of the Mad Titan. Nah, it's terrible. Um, who <laughs> like I want to... bills. Yeah. Somebody, uh, somebody, somebody, Thanos don't pay an bills. An $8 billion show. Yes. Yeah. Somebody yeah. tweeted me the other day. We were talking... We were discussing on Twitter about, you know, um, theories about Avengers 4 and things. And someone said... Um, I can't remember who it was, so I'm sorry, but shout out to you. Um, oh, you know, what if he's just a farmer now doing his farmer thing? I would love to see a show where <laughs> Well, that's just, what happens in the comics. He becomes just a citizen. A far- he just becomes that. a farmer. Let's I, just have him being a farmer. As long as we're just talking about crazy shit on Twitter. Um, <laughs> somebody said something on Twitter that I loved where they said that, you know, Infinity War the first 
is uh, a near perfect film, which I agree. But it would have been a billion times yeah. better if the final shot of Thanos when he's like by himself, if he turned into Ash. Because oh. then the problem's like, it's, yeah. there's nothing to be done. It'd be so good. And the How gauntlet just falls that? on the ground and it's just there by itself. No oh, hope. No, no hope. Oh, love it. Oh, right. I okay. love that. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> if they could just, just fully yeah. screw Avengers. Reshoot that. Yeah, I know. For reshooting movies. Let's go. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. <laughs> so we uh, briefly talked about Daredevil. We are going to talk much more about Daredevil because we have Deborah and Wall in the studio. So Claire and I are going to dive deep into season three. It's going to be full of spoilers. So you haven't seen it. Pause now, go watch Daredevil, then resume, come on back. So we'll be back in a few minutes with Deborah and Wall. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game. So that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This is Corey Jandro from Collider Heroes, and if you're a DC fan, you're going to want to check out Titans, the live-action series available only on the DC Universe. Now, this series premiered on October 12th, and it has new episodes dropping every single Friday, and it is the first series available on the DC Universe that is an all-original take on these characters. We're getting Doom Patrol later, but guess what? They're getting introduced on Titans. Now, this show follows a group of young soon-to-be superheroes. We got Dick Grayson Robin. We got Rachel Roth Raven. We've got uh, Corey, Carol, Corey Anders as Starfire, and of course, Gar Logan as everyone's favorite beast boy this team is fantastic it is just like the animated series just like the comics but in live action now of course they get caught up in a conspiracy that is basically hell on earth and just like any good team comic or any good team show they're all a family they bond together they become each other's support and it is a gritty take on the teen titans franchise you've had your cartoon you've had your comic this is the dc live action world a gritty down and earth teen titans and it's coming from akiva goldsman jeff johns greg berlanti greg walker sarah Schechter, john fawcett now you know all these names akiva goldsman did da vinci code beautiful mind jeff johns is from all sorts of comic goodness, writing comics as well as doing Suicide Squad, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Greg Berlanti's got an entire universe going and killing it. These are amazing names that have brought you this incredible series. Now, Titans explores what it's like to be a young superhero and this other side of the DC Universe, and it is available only on the DC Universe, and you can do it on all your favorite devices for only $7.99 a month, and you get 20% off if you do the yearly membership. So, get DC, DC Universe, check out Titans, and enjoy Enjoy the ride. Napa know-how. 
This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. So we are here with Deborah Ann Wall, Karen Page herself, talking about Daredevil Season 3. We are going to go full spoilers. We won't be cruel, but if you don't know, pause, watch it, come back, because you should anyway. All right, so... I am so excited to talk about this. Claire and I have been freaking out about this show. <laughs> it, is, yes. it is perfect. Yes. I had the, the press six, okay. and then I had to wait a month. You're one of the lucky few. Oh, but where then you the, had to wait. But right? where they cut it was the cruelest. Uh, so the show is shaped in such a beautiful pacing way that I actually revisited the first six and went back and Aww. watched them all. What was it like reading the scripts for you, knowing mm. the escalation of pace and feeling all those things? Do you visualize it as you're reading through it? Um, I mean, uh, yes and no. I mean, you can't really help visualizing a little bit sort of how it's going to mount but that's so much of what they do in post and with music i mean i know eric was like rather than spend a million dollars on one rolling stone song i want to get a full orchestra and i want to do original music and i want to have it feel like like a visceral sense so it's not just music it's like a hum it gets under your skin and that that really does a lot for pacing and then also you know we don't always know what's coming so we're just getting scripts as they come out and I'll get like a hint about what the full storyline is going to be but for the most part we're as surprised as an audience is as we're watching through or I, reading through. <laughs> um, I did the watching of Daredevil season three the opposite way from okay. Boy because I had a long flight from the UK last night. <laughs> so I power watched nine hours of this no. with my poor husband. <gasps> <laughs> Although we were quite happy to. But I was like, we can't sleep. We can't oh sleep. We God. need to keep doing this. Um, How are you up right now? I have no idea. I should be drinking <laughs> that like thousand litre bottle of kombucha. Um, but what, what struck me was um, Karen, I mean, the, the character has gone through such an arc from mm. season one to three. Um, I also watched uh, an amazing and really endearing uh, interview with you talking about Dungeons and Dragons and oh, problem no. solving. <laughs> yes. Love it, because I think we're all... You're in a happy place here. You're in a safe space. <laughs> Good, uh, we're so. all nerds, it's fine. Um, and you talked a lot about acting being problem solving, yes. which I found really interesting. When you were coming to do the Karen episode and flesh out this character mm-hmm. even more. How do you problem solve that? What, yeah. what, were, what was your process? Well, it definitely, I mean, one of the big problems, you know, quote unquote, for, for me over these years is that we had three different showrunners and different writing casts, you know, uh, uh, groups over the three seasons. And they're entitled to their own ideas about what the backstory is, who Karen is, as well as I am. So I had to come up with some kind of through line that made sense for me that I could play no matter what their stories were. And for me, it was a story about redemption, that this wasn't um, misplaced guilt. This wasn't someone who had misunderstood what they had done and someone could go, no, 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 it wasn't your fault. I really wanted the story to be Karen's fault. She did something awful, and every single step that she took for the rest of her life was about atoning for that. Mm -hmm. It was about for trying to make up for the darkness that she's brought into the world and do what's right, make things better. Um, So when I first sat down with Eric before the show started, I I said to him, that was was my only... That's my only rule for when you do Karen's backstory is that, you know, we've said it a lot, but my my thing is just don't say that I shot someone to save a busload of kids because it just loses the impact and we don't understand why you feel guilty for so long. And and 
instead what the, he wrote, which I think is really incredible. And, and they write as a team, and, and Tamara, who was sort of the supervising writer on the episode, and it's her episode, they were so open to collaboration. But really, the framework of what they wrote, the very first script that I read, was, you know, stayed. Um, the only thing I asked is I really wanted that car crash to be unequivocally Karen's fault. There should be no extenuating circumstances except her own anger and drunkenness. And because for me, that's really hard that I could never let go of that. What, you know, what ended up happening with Kevin in that car is something that you would carry with you the rest of your life and know that it was because of you that all of this happened. Um, so that's a problem to solve. We also had these little puzzle pieces that were left. You know, again, the car crash, Kevin, the fact that, you know, potentially if the police found out there could be a problem. Mm. You know, we had to kind of make sense of all these pieces, but with an original story that felt authentic, that didn't feel like we were solving a problem. I always thought the character from season one to now was, was such a brave choice mm. in, in that they wrote her where you don't always agree with her, no. but since you're invested in her, you don't feel like betrayed when she makes a choice because yeah. humans don't always make choices. Karen's morals are so questionable. They're all over the place, and she definitely, like, when she gets her teeth into something... It's like, I, kind of like, yeah, ethics and morals be damned. I have to get this done, you know? And one of the moments I love that really shaped that was the conversation about gun control and Punisher. Yeah. Because it's a conversation that would not be expected from the medium of comic book TV yeah. shows. And Especially it was taken from a female character. A, a female yeah. character being on that side of the argument yeah. and taking the stance that the show did was not what anyone expected from Punisher. Yes. And then you felt that when you got back to season three. You yes. felt that those stakes were raised from that conversation, from that experience. Yeah. When you took on the role of Karen, were you expecting to go as far as, like, born again? As far as, like, <laughs> the character went to a darker place than I saw coming. I mean, I think, you know, born again and guardian devil and these sort of big stories for Karen Page, they, you know, they were written in another time period. And I do think that right now with stories for women and, and what is darkness for a female character, um, I think we can get more complex. We can get more interesting. And it used to be that... In order to infuse a female character with depth, you sexually compromised her. Um, and, and, you know, that's not to say that there aren't, those aren't legitimate stories to be told, but that was kind of the only way that we did that. So I really appreciated, and when I talked with Eric, that was, I said, you know, can we make this about Karen's choices, Karen's agency? So rather than something happening to Karen, Karen makes decisions. Now, something happened. Her mother died, and that was traumatic, and her father is not doing well, and there's poverty and things that they're dealing with. But... Karen could have chosen other ways to handle it, and she didn't. Mm -hmm. So you can understand her choices, but you don't always necessarily agree with them. Um, in terms of the, the gun control, I, I do think that that's an interesting conversation to have. I think Karen's all about the gray area. Mm -hmm. I think some of that conversation in Punisher was just her trying to needle some information out of her. I'm not entirely sure where she falls on that and on which side of that argument that's she amazing. falls that's which what is I great. Like about Karen I don't never... know that Karen knows which side <laughs> of that argument she falls because obviously it's been helpful to her in some certain situations but then coming into season three what was very important for me was to show that the gun never made the difference whether she she gets into trouble whether she has a gun or not and she gets out of trouble whether she has the gun or not the gun is not the determining factor and I think after that moment in the bulletin where it's taken from her and it's used in such a violent horrible way you know I think it's taken into evidence and I don't think I ever want to see that thing again I think it represents something different for Karen now and I think that that will deeply affect how she goes forward in relationship to that yeah you give such a I was thinking with this um, just 
again, looking through the seasons from one to three, and particularly when you sit down with Kingpin, Kingpin mm-hmm. in um, season three, that's a really tense I love scene. That. And very, <laughs> you, you play it in a, and you're saying com- more complex roles for women, yeah. more interesting roles for women, because I feel like when somebody wants to make a woman badass, they go, yeah, let's just make right. her like really powerful. Now she's a ninja. Yeah, yeah now she's just a ninja with yeah. no feelings. Right. And she's a robot, you know, and she's got no time for men. Yeah. You know, and that's what it is. But you give a really nuanced performance. Thank you. When you were sitting down with Kingpin and you can hear mm. your voice sort of shaking, mm-hmm. like, where, where does that come from inside? You know, that kind of nuance, it's quite mm. difficult to do. Um, oh, oh, boy. Yeah, we have a short, a short interview here. Um, <laughs> The, the best way that I can say it is, in my opinion, mm-hmm. good acting, something like that happens to you. You don't actually do it. Um, I, I often say, rather than acting fear, you create the monster. So, And then if you create it vividly enough and allow yourself to believe it, all of that stuff will start happening. And it's like, it's like when you were a kid and you'd lie in bed and you'd hear a noise. And you know... It's nothing. Your mm. mom told you that it's just branches hitting. It's an old house, but it doesn't matter. Your palms start to breath, you know, start to sweat, and your breath and your heart starts to beat faster. And you get genuinely, your body reacts to fear, even though your logical brain knows that that's fiction. And that's all acting is. It's just doing that on purpose. Mm-hmm. So for me, the homework for that scene was making Fisk as big and scary and real as I possibly could. Now, obviously, Vincent helps a lot with that <laughs> yeah. because he's incredibly talented. Um, but he's also a sweetheart. So like, I know Vincent, and he's very nice to me. So I have to kind of push that aside and remember how terrifying he is. So the more real I can make Vincent D'Onofrio, the easier it is to perform that. Or I can make Fisk, the easier it is to perform that. Did you talk about that beforehand? Or just, don't talk to me. Just, just shout at no, me and swear we... at me and make me feel scared. Or... <laughs> no, we, we chatted in between. I mean, you don't... I'm not the kind of person who can, like, talk about baseball and then, like, <laughs> action and be immediately in mm-hmm. it. So you sort of stay in the same realm. But you might go, you know, how's your weekend? Oh, very nice. You know, it's, it's very calm, normal conversation. Uh, but you do try to keep yourself a little bit, like a little bit like an open wound a little bit, a little bit sensitive. Um, so you don't try to get into anything too tough because you might go someplace you don't want to be. Uh, but yeah, it was great. That scene is one of the most comic booky but real scenes I think <laughs> so I've great. ever seen. Like 39 hours of Daredevil, 22 <laughs> movies in the MCU. Like it's it accomplishes both the depth of the importance of the scene to carry on the story. It accomplishes exposition, mm-hmm. but it also it feels like I could flip the page at any time. <sighs> and I really think that this show accomplishes something that nothing I've never seen another thing in any medium accomplish. Wow, thank you. My the goodness. depth of the show plus the comic bookiness. <laughs> was it on set that kind of awareness of like, like for the, the Bolton fight. Uh-huh. That is a full-on comic uh-huh. book fight. There are pencils and, and scissors being thrown, but it feels terrifying. Yes. The set experience, was it difficult to find that balance? Was it ever a conversation of like, okay, guys, we've got to take it down to a nine? Because it, it's very, it's a very polarizing tone. And I, like I said, Daredevil's the, the only... Take the stabbiness down to... to right. Literally, there's a guy in a devil suit going, <laughs> and you're Let's all like, take that stabbiness down. Action. I mean, we definitely, I definitely walked into that set and I saw a table with like pencils and scissors and things on it. I was like, oh, that's an ammunition table. <laughs> but it works because it's the bulletin and they right. would have a scrapbooking, you know, put your pieces together table. So that works. You know, I'm sure that's part of why they said it there. Um, but I think that's why it works. It works because 
we didn't just say, all right, you're in an office and we're going to have cups of pencils and things. We're going to say you're in, a, you're in the bulletin where this legitimately would exist. And one thing I really appreciate about our, our stunt coordinators and our stunt performers and our directors is that all of the fight scenes, it isn't just about a cool move. The amazing thing about pitting Daredevil against Bullseye is Daredevil's a melee fighter, right? So he mm-hmm. wants to be in the pocket right next to you because that's where he's strong. But Dex is a ranged fighter. He wants you as far away from him as he can get so he can chuck things at you. So literally their objectives are, at, are in conflict. Yeah. So you're not just watching a fight. You're watching one guy trying to get close to one guy while the other guy's trying to push him away. So everything is motivated, everything, and it has that tension in it because you can see people at odds. And they're not just two big guys pounding on each other, <laughs> mm-hmm. which can get boring and repetitive. Right. If, uh, it's a bit of a, a sort of off-kilter question, but mm. if if you had to go melee or range, <laughs> yeah, what would you choose? And what would be your, if you're going range? What would be your weapon of choice <laughs> to throw and stab someone? I mean, in Dungeons and Dragons, I tend to play melee fighters. I like playing kind of like brutes with an interesting oh, twist. Really? I'm to more them. like range sniper. Yeah, lo- yeah, which is very cool. Um, I think though, part of what I really like about Karen Page is that since she's not a fighter. Physically, she does it with her brain, and she like that's I think why that scene with Fisk works so well yes. is while Fisk is big and he's a brute and he can punch you and do all that stuff. Really, his main thing is manipulation. Mm-hmm. He gets in your head. He knows what matters to you, and he affects you because of that. And that's Karen's game. Mm-hmm. So when you put those two in a room together, I think it's really clear what a match they are. So really. If I were a fighter, I think, I mean, that's, if Karen Page would be that, she'd be like a bard. She'd be like a really sadistic bard. <laughs> sadistic bard. I feel I like, love feel like this vicious season. mockery all the time. You did do some kingpin-like tactics. That's <laughs> yeah, a very, yeah. like, I was thinking this season that you and Foggy definitely, when you decided on certain things, were taking pages out of his book. Yeah. And I feel like that is earned after seasons one, two, yeah. Punisher, all those things. Well, Karen's a great, you know, she's a contradiction. I mean, Karen should be in prison for the things that she's done, and yet she spends all of her time trying to put other people in prison and bring them to justice. And Karen holds the most secrets and dark lies of anyone else on the show, and yet she's the one who's angry at everyone else for lying to her. <laughs> and I think that's a really great hypocritical, you know, and I think that that's very real as well, that these things that we're very afraid of in our own lives, we try to present the opposite because we don't, we don't want to believe that that's true. There, I mean, people watching the show, especially young people watch the show, they always go, oh yeah, they'll say Daredevil, Kingpin, you know, all mm-hmm. these characters that they might look up to, but for those watching and loving Karen, what do you want those people to take away and learn from from that character because she is a bit of a shady character she's dark she's got darkness but there's something to be learned there i think what would you want someone to take away hmm um you know i think we like we started this conversation i do think it is about redemption and it is a little bit about saying look we are all human we all make mistakes sometimes for very bad reasons sometimes for good you know for good intentions Mm -hmm. um but that those things don't have to define you so as long as you are repentant, you, you understand what you did, and you try to do better, and you are constantly trying to improve yourself, that it doesn't have to define you. Um, that self-forgiveness and forgiveness from others does exist, and um, you don't have to let those past mistakes keep you down. 
This show juggles so much. No, we're going from... <laughs> <And> it, <laughs> what would you throw at someone to? What do you learn? And what, is, what are your tactics <laughs> in a melee battle? It's like, do I that's get the idea, right? We lure you in with like the popcorn <laughs> stuff, and then they're like, and now you're going to learn It's something. real dense. Sit down. Hold on. But I like that it does that while also taking its time to let you breathe in, in episodes that you think are, are, are breathing episodes, then they twist at the end. Like right. The Karen episode starts with insane like family bonding and, and situations where you don't know where it's going, but you know from seasons one and two, mm-hmm. the darkness is coming and all those things. How was it for you after doing this role for years mm-hmm. to meet your family and to suddenly know that that is where this, this unearthing of the story is going to right. go? Um, well, I got super lucky that they cast brilliantly i love all three of those actors i mean lee will and jack who came on to play um my brother my father and my boyfriend i mean they all oh it's so it's so hard i mean you guys know when you jump in as a guest star on something that's been established and you're you want to do a good job you don't always know what your place is and things like that and you know i try to be as welcoming and because i think people do the best job that they can when they feel supported so i try to be like yes come in let's get coffee let's rehearse let's do whatever you want you know and luckily, they did. They, they, I asked if we could do rehearsals, and they set something up with the director and the writer and the That's actors, great. and we all sat down and talked through and gave out our ideas of things we thought might work. And so by the time we actually got up to Wyndham, where we shot it, we all knew that script inside and out, um, and we were good friends kind of at that point. I mean, they're great. I mean, I especially want to throw it out to, like, to Will, not, you know, not because the others didn't do an amazing job, but Will had to, like, jump in there and be this, like, sensitive asshole (laughs) and do some fighting, you know, kind of, like, and do driving and all that, like, immediately kind of jump in and just be ready to go and game for anything, and he just took it. You know, jumped in 100%. Uh, I'm really impressed with him. That bo- to have a bottle episode have that much exposition that didn't feel like it was separate is amazing. <laughs> to have an episode go like 10 years back and then yeah. not feel removed. Well, I got really nervous impressive. about it, you know, because people do come and watch the show for the fights and the, you know, the cool villains and stuff like that. And I've gotten quite used to being like the least interesting part of Daredevil. You know? I, I disagree. Well, thank I disagree, you. Disagree. But, audience. you know, when, when we do press and they ask about things, you, you just kind of get the sense of like, oh, right, you know, I'm the kind of, the kind of, secondary cool thing that you get because you came for the fights you know i see you as the eyeline i see you as the the audience's perspective like i I hope so yeah a really twisted audience yeah yeah, i mean that's your (laughs) but like the you have that phil ulrich thing from the comics where like phil ulrich was always the guy watching spider-man the guy writing about spider-man so i like that in this show they they know to have that and they know to be like hey there's a guy in a devil suit fighting a big guy that owns everything (laughs) we should probably let them relate check out in that yeah yeah so i think when when they decided to do this episode i was one so grateful that they were willing to take that risk and say, we're going to go back. The fights aren't going to be cool acrobatic fights. They're going to be really scary, messy domestic violence moments. Um, and we're going to do a lot of like emotional family stuff. And, and that's okay. And, and hopefully people will really be drawn to it. Um, and, and also, they didn't even give us like, like, they gave us the little stinger at the beginning. So it isn't even like you're just immediately yeah. episode 10. Here you are 10 years ago with Karen at a college party. Um, I mean, I'm so pleased with it. I'm so proud of it. I had so much fun making it. Um, You know, also as an actor, especially at the point that I am in my career, all I want, all I'm hungry for is to have responsibility and to carry a story on my shoulders. And I'm so ready for that. And I'm I'm ambitious, you know. And and this was such a nice um, vote of confidence, you know. So I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that they trusted me with that and I had the chance to do it. By the end, uh, 
you know, you, you, all the characters go through this crazy <laughs> story. And watching the plane as well, like, you know, over nine hours, I was like, oh, oh it was quite, it's quite a ride. But you get to the end, it's like the band are back together, yeah. you know? You've got, like, Nelson, uh, Paige and Murdoch. They're all, they're all kind of, you know, together again. What does it feel like when you're shooting that? Because you're all happier. Yeah. Does it feel like a kind of, not a relief in a bad way, but like, oh, we can breathe? Well, we had that moment in, I think, episode 11 is like the first scene, the season that we all had together. And we didn't really spend a lot of time together in Defenders. The second half of season two, we were all split up. So it had been a while since we'd really had a Nelson Murdoch and Paige moment. And I remember being on that rooftop, and even though like we weren't getting along, there was that sense of like, oh right, like this feels so nice. We're all together again, and um, even just as actors and friends, it was fun to be together again. And in that last scene, yeah, I mean it's it's gratifying to feel like you know the Scooby Gang. <laughs> We're gonna start solving crime in Hell's Kitchen. You know, I love that. Uh, so this probably has to be our last question because okay. I can talk about this show for 13 hours. <laughs> I, I really appreciate all that it is. Uh, you have played a character that is impossibly hard on the show. Karen Page <laughs> is so difficult, especially when I heard the Born Again was gonna be happening. I was like, how can they possibly? Uh, you also do stuff like Axe Cop, which I love. Really. <laughs> is there anything and Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, there, yeah, you're yeah. definitely like the multifaceted nerd we all love I, I to guess have. So. What is something that you haven't gotten to do that you'd want to do? Do you want to do like plays? Do you want to do... Like, oh, yeah. Well, I started oh. in theater, so okay. that's actually where I started, and the whole career thing was supposed to be theater, oh. um, and then I booked True Blood and like was like, oh, I guess I'm doing this now, <laughs> and then it moved into Daredevil, so eventually, yes, I would, I would love, love, love to go back to, to theater and, and get back into that. I was like, a, I'm a classical theater nerd. I love freaking Shakespeare and <laughs> Shaw, and oh my God, it would be so much fun to just go back and do that. Um, but in terms of like nerdy stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm not a broad nerd. I'm a very, I'm like my niches. So I have my D and D I have, I guess, I mean, I'm not that big a comic book person. Um, I have riff tracks and mystery science theater. That was like my really big nerdy thing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm DMing a lot for D&D, and that's, that's cool. been a really exciting world. So, yeah, I'd like to go deeper into that. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, Karen Page is, I think, the through line <laughs> in the show. She's the eye line. Oh, she thanks. brought us into Punisher and made it feel warm and welcome in a very weird, not really? warm, welcome <laughs> wow. way. No, that's the thing about Punisher is it felt warm and welcome in a very, like, <laughs> why do I feel comfortable here? Uh, and I think that's, that's a testament to Karen and you well, for making you so her that, that open. Thank so you very much. Thank, thank, you thank you for what you brought to this role. Yeah. Thanks for Amazing. talking. Amazing. Thank fun. you for joining us, and you were great. We can't wait to see see you again thank you me too Thanks. thank you so much i learned so much about karen page i am so excited for hopefully daredevil season seven four five and six forthcoming i am so excited to talk more about this season because it is so dense and there's so much more than even we knew that was rad she is so lovely as well so I she's great love her. <laughs> just the biggest Excellent. crush for years and she's just as great like just just the best Look, you've never I, seen you do that i just face. i just fully like karen page in the comics the debris wall oh just we need fantastic. to kind of like photoshop like love hearts or just a slow gif on halloween of like yeah just like soft focus <laughs> for a moment just soft focus and, and get instagram the filter of me going karen page <laughs> i'm going to gift that <laughs> i am going to gift that i swear that i'm going to do it but yeah thank you so much for joining us deborah it was amazing So we now have some minor mutations to dive through. We had some smaller stories that break this week that are all very interesting and telling as to what's to come. Our very first is full of lots of mystery. The internet has been ablaze wondering who this young actress is playing. It was announced that Catherine Langford is in Avengers 4 and she's already shot her scenes. Oh my goodness. What does it mean? (laughs) 
kind of creeping me out. (laughs) I am so, so excited by this. I I put this question out onto the Twitterverse and everyone went absolutely mental for it. Who is she? Who is she? Is she uh, Pepper Potts and Tony Stark's kid? Yes, she is. Totally, right? Gotta be. We're finished. I think she's Cassie Lang. I think the other actress that got cast before, it wasn't confirmed, and she looks like she could be Paul Rudd's Yeah, sure. Somebody said Kate Bishop. Oh, Kate Bishop. Yeah, so we've got Kate, we've got Kate Bishop over here. Sure. So I'm, I don't want to like. Thing is, like, I, I'm so excited for this movie next year. Like, I'm now starting to, I'm misting again. It's like, totally six, missed. seven months but away, it's... and we know so little that this casting, all of us, we have three different very plausible answers, and also a testament to Marvel. There are three amazing young women in comics right now that we'd all be excited to see. Call me an SJW. That's good news, and I love the way comics are going because that's how it should be. So those three characters all being like all full hype, and the internet being like, "I want Kate Bishop." Five years ago, what? Like that's amazing. The Kate yeah. Bishop's a point of hype. Yeah. Kate would be amazing because again, if you're Jeremy Renner, <laughs> you're like you got another Hawkeye <laughs> who gets more attention. Yeah, she gets a streaming service. He just throws his bow down. He's like, "You're kidding me, dude." You got that's a why new he one, Ronan. <laughs> yeah. He just walks off panel. He's like, I'm Ronan now, I guess. Bye. <laughs> just ashamed Ronan. Oh, be amazing. Uh, so who do you think that is the most likely for you? Hmm. I mean, I read a Gwyneth Paltrow interview a while ago, actually. Right. And she did she did say something about yeah. it. They've hey, guys, got a lot of... Real quick to let you guys know, Captain America, I'm retired. I'm oh, you're out? Okay. You guys. Oh, just, you're not dead, you're just retired. Thanos won. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Got it, got it, got it. Thanos wins. He does that. Josh uh, McGruder for Jeopardy. Yeah. Jeopardy host in the future right there. <laughs> When the Paltrow said in an interview that there's a, they've got a long, long relationship, they have a kid and all this kind of stuff, so this yeah. it is very plausible and possible that it could be. They talk about it in the first one. Like yeah. They 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 begin that conversation. There's a reason that those lines are there, you know. And 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 in you know there's a there's a, a few different comics where they cut to the future and Tony and 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 Pepper have had a, had a kid, and mm-hmm. I think in the comics that kid is not dope. And ends up <laughs> becoming uh, uh, like worse than Thanos. Skips a generation. Puts the gauntlet on. Well, I don't know if it's. I mean, Tony's pretty terrible. Everything that's happened is Tony's fault. I mean, Tony's the worst person. Everything is his fault. He should be stopped. Uh, but yeah, I, I that's that's what I'm about. Or you know, it could be a a, a, a Peggy Carter type of an operation, right? like a young Peggy, Ooh. right? Although, really playing with time. Yeah, although, yeah, yeah because, but, back. you know, she's still around, though. That actress, what's her name? Yeah. H- Haley Atwell is still around, so that seems mean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> DH Chris Evans recast Peggy. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't afford the budget, so we just. <laughs> I think there is a trailer coming before Christmas. Do we think we are going to see. I don't think they'll give that much away. That was actually my gonna... question for Megan was Do you think that this is more indicative of there being a travel back from the future or that the time jump from Avengers 3 to 4 is bigger than we thought? Because I think it's a bigger time jump. Between three and four? Yeah, I think we're going to get like a six or seven year That jump. would be interesting because like then it's kind of like post-apocalyptic. Yeah. You know? I actually kind of... Damn, well, it's just the good. leftovers. And the stakes are higher. It's, the left- it's yeah, just the, the leftovers. leftovers. And they have six or seven years of remorse. We come back to Cap like, uh, for six years he's dealt with that guilt. All these original Avengers. We'll get to see them in a new and dynamic way before we lose them all. So I would, I'd prefer that than having Back to the Future with Avengers. I, I, I don't know. That sounds, that sounds pretty dope. I mean, too. that sounds... <laughs> I'm, I'm in favor of that. I'm also in favor of Mad Max yeah. uh, Avengers, which Mm-hmm. That when Ooh. you were saying that, I'm just imagining him like covered in like pelts and shit, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> hucking spears and uh, repulsor know, rays. 
That's what I meant. Two That's very different movies we pitched. Mad yeah. Max and Back to the Future Avengers, all of which coming to Disney streaming this fall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. T- oh, T-M. my God. Yeah. Hulk in a loincloth oh, with like war paint dude, on? But, oh, yeah. He kind of had that. He kind of had that. Yeah, World War Hulk but... dabbles in Mad Max itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hulk with a Furiosa. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes, yeah, I'm all up front. Can we have that actually instead of everything else? Instead of. Yeah. yeah. Like, can I just tell want them? that. Can you, yeah, I, I'm can you on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Donnie's going to tell them and yeah. he's going to make it, it's gonna make it better for everyone. <laughs> so I'm going to power through the next of my mutations, run through them, and then we'll loop back and grab the ones we want. That way we make sure we get to the things we need to focus on because this next one might just be fun for me. Uh, we also have the my mutations that late night talk show Avengers tradition continues when they have Jimmy Kimmel in a new issue of Avengers, which is is canon that's done it before. Letterman's been on. I love this tradition, especially with the Disney foldover. I think it's fantastic. We also have new constellations named after Hulk, <laughs> Thor's Mjolnir, the TARDIS, and tons of other pop culture. So if you're a fan of pop culture, a fan of space, look up in the sky because there's new crossover events happening Dope. celestially. We also <laughs> have a very, very Joker-looking Cameron Monaghan. That is the Joker. This photo made me really excited. I want to know what the story is. I want to know how the show has even more Jokers. Maybe we'll find out next season. Time will tell. Speaking of Jokers, Alan Tudyk is the voice of the Joker in the Harley Quinn show, and I love me some Alan Tudyk. I want more Joker all the time. I think he's a great voice cast. There will never be another Mark Hamill, but I want to hear his take so badly, so give me that Joker on that Harley Quinn show. We also have Venom News. It has crossed half a billion dollars. Billion with a B, and it has not yet opened in Japan or China. So it's hit 500 million without the giant payload that China box office brings in typically. That is insane. News. I'm so proud of my son. The boy's got this. <laughs> my sweet, sweet boy's doing so good on his own. I love you, Venom. <laughs> and the final story that we'll dive back into is that the Nightwing movie might not be dead. Uh, I feel like a lot of times McKay comes out and just says, maybe, and everyone goes, ah, oh. it's like the Snyder cut of news. I feel like so. you have to do that whole segment like this because we I don't, don't know what's happening. Nightwing. Kind of like in Family Guy. <laughs> Robins are hard to kill, historically. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Even yeah. like Tom King's run right now. What's yeah. going, I mean. Tough to, tough, oh, yeah. tough to drop a... KGBs can't take them out. No one can. Yeah. All right. So of those stories, uh, guess first, Megan, what is the thing you'd like to dive into most? What intrigues you? Um, the, I'm excited about that. Well, I'm excited about the constellations. And I actually, I feel like a really bad nerd because I didn't know that. And I cool. read science news all the time. Like, That's why we're here. I know. Thank you're you for a educating and me. You're a and I'm a Hoovian. And I'm a scientist. And, and I didn't know this. Yeah. So, uh, um, and, um, so that's very exciting. I'm going to read more about that, but I'm also excited about Alan Turing. Like I love him. I grew up did on you say Alan Turing. Alan Turing. <laughs> yeah. I don't <laughs> think that dude's going to do a voice. Voicing the joke. I don't know if that's going to be a great voice. I thought you said Turing. I, I was I like, wait, that's a whole different I thing. Think, like, actually, Alan Turing. Alan Turing. Benedict Cumberbatch as Alan Turing as the Joker. The Joker. Trying to see if Harley's a robot. Yeah. Oh my God. Is anyone writing this down? Oh, a lot of new storylines today on Planet <laughs> We actually announced that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross were doing the score on something, and the entire show, Amy called him Atticus Finch, and I didn't have the heart to, like, I was just sitting there like, I'm just going to let this one go. It's it was okay. too good. So, Wait, what, 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 was, what was that? What, was the, what were they doing the soundtrack for? Uh, they're doing it for, oh, it's something comic and amazing. Uh, I don't remember. It was like five weeks ago, but they're doing a comic property. I could just which look is, it up which or is, I mean, just stalk him on well, Twitter we'll like I usually do. that answer right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> the fun thing about live TV is going, I don't remember, but now I'm on this. I don't do yeah. the snowdown anymore, folks. Yeah. Rapid memory. Uh, so the Constellation thing is incredible. Yeah. Pop culture has crossed over to such a level that it's the stars. Yeah. 
That's it's utterly bizarre. I mean, obviously, that's not going to make any difference when our entire society is gone. Um, but it's nice for right now, and that you're <laughs> <just> right. Gotten... <laughs> you going to be all right? Sorry, right, Bill. It's okay. I know. Yeah. Bill it's got okay, real yeah. quick. What this is, is happening? So you're now watching post-apocalyptic <laughs> Bill and Ted yeah. uh, from the future. Yeah. Uh, but it's all good. Yeah. yeah. Unicorns yeah. and rainbows. Unicorns and rainbows. Time-traveling phone booth. Yes. Oh. oh. Episode yeah. one. Um, for me, the constellation thing is this really cool thing where I've always discussed how our generation's Greek myths are superheroes. And now, as important of moral compass it is to follow Hercules in those stories, the same moral compass can be found every Wednesday at your local comic store. And that is a reason that these heroes are important. That's why I think movies are so popular right now, because I feel like we've been in a very dark time as a country trying to figure out what we're doing. And we have a, a hero to look up to and many heroes. So the fact that that is being reflected in the stars pretty dope and also the fact that the pop culture lexicon has evolved to such a level that scientists respect Mjolnir we did it uh, so I think that's pretty rad what is your favorite story though? well really quick I love that you and I are full of hope today <laughs> and the girls are like Doom. we're all gonna die when anyway. the what does over. it matter Doom. dude Doom. stars yeah. don't have names when we're all dead bro <laughs> no one's gonna read it with the books when the world yeah. crumbles it's great uh, what it's am I true. excited about man what do you think I'm excited about my, my beautiful stepson is, is crying Crushing it out there. Um, that's wild, man. I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Venom dork, obviously. Uh, for people who don't know, I write that book, Venom. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's insane to, to see him doing so well and to see people embrace it. The '90s are just so back. Yeah, they're so back. Couches are in. Yeah, and it's, it's, I, it just, it brings me endless hope because now they're, they're, they're going to be forced to make so many more Venoms. And we get to see uh, Woody Harrelson mm-hmm. um, <gasps> lunatic it up as, yes. as Cletus Cassidy. I'm yeah. so excited by well, that. While we're on the Venom subject, sure, let's do it. what brought you into the world of Venom as a kid? Like, what drew you to that character? Because you're obviously a fan for a long time. Yeah. And, like, for me, Maximum Carnage was a big thing. Sure. And, and that got me into Todd McFarlane, like, retroactively. Mm-hmm. What, what brought you in? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up... Uh, my dad taught me how to read on, like, Spider-Man comics and stuff um, when I was, like, 13. Just kidding. When I was like, <laughs> when I was like a little bitty baby, I, I I was instantly like attracted to Spider-Man. And then there was this comic book store next to the YMCA that I was dropped off to be babysat at, and I was just I would just sneak out of that. This is a different time when you could just <laughs> children would just very lax. children Don't would just the roam the streets. Um, and I went into this comic book store called JT's Comics, and they had all these bootleg T-shirts, and one of them was a Venom. And I was just instantly enraptured by this lunatic Spider-Man with these giant teeth and everything. And I asked the guy, I was like, who, who is this? And he was like, that's Venom. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And give me all of, the, all of those things. And so I just started reading it. And I was obsessed. Um, I had all the posters. I, my parents couldn't afford um, all the toys and the statues and stuff because it was the 90s. There was a million Venom statues and stuff. And so I taught myself how to sculpt. And I, like, I made like 10 different Venom statues that eventually... Uh, when I went to college, I sculpted new Venom ones and applied for a scholarship, and I got that scholarship based on my Venom sculptures. Dude! And at that college is where I met Jeff Shaw, who I ended up doing God Country with and, and Thanos with and my upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy. So, like, in a, in a weird way, like, Venom has kind of always been there and kind of helped me along my entire life. 
If that isn't a commercial to pick up Venom yeah. in actual comic form, yes. I don't know what is. Buy comics by that con. I had no idea. That's incredible. Yeah, man. man. He's the best character ever made. He's like your little spirit animal. Or he something? is. He's yeah, my yeah. Patronus. That's yeah. yeah. Well, Venom Patronus is a way to win a lot of wars. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> Scare them off without yeah. the fight. Mm-hmm. I have not seen Venom uh, because it was birthday month, and that's my excuse. I, I was very it. busy. Celebrating me. So <laughs> I forgot to see Venom. Um, but I have read all of Dottie's Venom, so oh, I kind of feel you. like I've made up for it, and it's absolutely amazing. You need to go read it. It's very metal. I heard the bit, uh, the best bit of Venom is the bit where Eddie Brock turns into Venom. I oh, love the scene really where good. Eddie Brock gets in a lobster tank. I won't ruin it for you, but there's Turned a lot of Eddie Brock that is weird. And, like, the comics are much weirder than people remember. Does he do? There's some weird. Can I, can I ask, because, like, what, put, what has put me off seeing Venom as well? So this might be something for people that haven't seen Venom as well watching this. Like, I was reading a lot of things on um, Twitter that were sort of putting me off a little bit because this is such a great character, and mm-hmm. I really, really love Venom of Carnage. Um, and a lot of people going, this is terrible. This is rubbish. And I was like, oh, maybe I can push back seeing this film. Maybe it'll be like a Christmas watch. Do you think after all of the yes, no, yes, no, is it worth going to see? Do you want my elevator pitch? Go. Venom is a movie that advertised itself as a sci-fi thriller in order to make the half a billion dollars because it couldn't sell itself as a gonzo body horror comedy film that it is. So for the first act, you get to experience the movie that someone wanted to advertise, but in the next two acts, you get to experience Venom in a way that I never thought would actually come to light, and a sense of humor that can lead to a great Venom 2 and 3. Without Venom 1, we wouldn't get where it lands, and without that amazing movie, the Sonyverse couldn't exist, so I think it is absolutely worth seeing. Yes, yes. Agreed. New marketing director for Venom. <laughs> Agreed. Loving that you said that I, yeah, in the Spider-Man, in Spider-Man costume. Like, I support yeah. Eddie Brock. <laughs> totally. I will say that as, as, as a, you know, I, I think the thing that it did the best, I think that uh, Venom works the best when it's used as a metaphor for addiction. Yeah. And they crush that. Like, Eddie going through everything and, like, withdrawal having to run in. And, I mean, he's going through withdrawal the entire time, and he looks like a, like a junkie the entire time. Um, so I, I, I dug it. And the, the final fight on the launch pad is, is yeah. objectively dope. Okay. And, and the way the movie to manages to balance tone and not manage to balance tone is really fascinating, but it's also, like, a very specific comedy that Marvel couldn't make. So uh, when people are saying, like, they want Marvel to get all the rights back, I totally understand why they want that, but I'm the guy saying, like, I'd like to see multiple studios put out multiple multiple movies because certain studios take chances other ones won't I like that it didn't have to be part of a shared universe as I'm literally the biggest Spider-Man fan I was okay with Spider-Man <laughs> not being in it because that meant I got that movie no I, and I think it's you know what like what I and this is having not even seen him I, I'm, I'm glad that it's doing so well you know I want nerd culture to exist and I think all nerd culture is great within reason but I, I love the fact that Venom is doing really well I just kind of feel like with Sony and this is kind of going to this the it's reached this billions plus dollar mark but it's going to go higher and higher I like the fact that they're just going to do hopefully these standalone little kind of anti-hero villain films yeah. or maybe they could like share do a shared anti-villain uh, sort of uh, Venom's uh, not a villain he's just misunderstood oh anti-hero sorry <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah. 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 he's wanna, just doing the um, best he can <laughs> don't want to offend Papa Venom <laughs> 
confused. I'm so sorry. Stepfather Venom. <laughs> Stepfather Venom. Um, but yeah, like I kind of like the idea that they're doing this. We've got Morbius. This pretty much greenlights Morbius, Craven, and Silk. Yeah. Like this gives us uh, a pretty much half a billion dollars mm. plus the video game doing as well. The video game outsold Homecoming as far as the weekend gross. But I mean, granted, it's a sixty dollars game, twenty dollars ticket. But the amount, it's the highest selling PlayStation exclusive in history. Mm-hmm. So the game doing as well the same year as Venom doing well pretty much gives them like, oh, Spider Man is the thing we think it is. And yeah. if they bring in any of the writers from the Spider Man game into that universe as they should, then that they're game, for a really good time. Let's pause for a moment just see how amazing that game was just oh my god oh my god the last time i was here it just i think it just came out and i couldn't play it as quick and you were going i, I need to get back home i need to play this game i had to cancel so many plans because they wanted me to do a spoiler <laughs> review so i hadn't played games since ps2 spider-man so i had missed 10 years of 3d technology so the first five hours of me playing that game was me looking down at the controller going like triangle x circle <laughs> so glad i didn't stream that's it that's kind of what yeah, this looks like when we, we play it we tried we end up just going around the city and just being swinging. like Wee! just swinging is the best <laughs> It's pretty great. So it's the great. best. I just want, I, I mean, I, if I can make a plea uh, to Marvel, I just want first person so that I can swing through. I love VR. VR for the first, first person. person, right? Yeah, oh dude. Oh, I want yeah. it so bad. Those, those web dynamics. be Peter Parker. I mean, we're all trying. Yeah. We're all talking about comics as adults dressed in Halloween costumes. We're pretty close. We're getting there. Uh, so otherwise, what other insane minor mutation do you want to talk about this week? I love the copious amounts of Joker news. There's a lot. Oh my goodness. It's the Harley Quinn animated series I'm so looking forward to. And I'm so glad that he's voicing the Joker as well. I think it's going to be really, really fun. I love them. I was looking at the voice cast as well. Um, I love Lake Bell, and she's going to be Poison Ivy, yeah, and I think cool. she's so great. I love Lake Bell. And Rahul Kohli from iZombie is mm. Scarecrow. And so, like, I think they've got a really good cast, and then we've got the Joker in place and stuff, so I'm really, really excited by that. And I was thinking about all the kind of different Jokers and all the sort of different incarnations of the Jokers we've had through the years. I was trying to decide who my, which my best jo- who was my best Joker. And I think still, despite all of this, in no particular order, it's still Mark Hamill, Jack Nicholson, and Heath Ledger, but no particular order. Mm-hmm. But I just love the fact that there's just ma- like loads of Joker news out there. For me, Heath Ledger's my Joker. I think it was the right time. He's, he's your, yeah, he's so your top like top. Heath Ledger, just just right. there's something about the level of anarchy and the. I've never seen a performance do what his Joker did in any movie, great. like not even a comic movie. Yeah. I've never seen like that's Brando. That's that's something that's like mm-hmm. generations can talk about. And it happened to be a Batman movie. Uh, so for me, that's the Joker because there was no moment when you knew what he was going to do next. And to me, that's the Joker. So I'm really excited because because since I consider Heath Ledger the Joker and I consider that the bar for any performance. Really? I'm really oh yeah. Over like, and above all the rest. Anything. Even the, Mark Hamill. I, I think it, like, even oh, over oh, like oh. even over the Godfather. Like I'm saying like oh. the Joker. Like oh my God. so what's interesting okay. to me is that this character's become more than a comic mm-hmm. book medium. This to me is I think of a Knight's Tale when I think of Alan Tudyk. So now for me, like a Knight's Tale is a tale of two Jokers. So oh I God, picture it like. Right. So there's this weird thing when that, that was announced. I was like, ah, a Knight's Tale just got very weird for my brain uh, because Alan Tudyk for is me it is cool that, being like, the only person on the planet to have a thought. Yeah, you're the, the only the person who for sure thought that. Like, was like, you're the oh, only person who's like, oh, Night's Tale, dope. <laughs> need one more, and it's the DC Joker trilogy now. I'm the one guy like making fan art. <laughs> but uh, so for me, Alan Tudyk is perfect because he is that fun. I agree. He's that weird, like slightly unhinged. Mm-hmm. Like I can hear the voice coming out of him. Totally. Uh, what did you guys think of the Harley Quinn t- trailer when it came out? I haven't uh, seen it. Uh, Didn't Jimmy? D- Amanda did that. Didn't she, des- didn't she design? Aren't the 
character designs by Amanda Connor? Yes, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And they're oh, our so I've seen, So we're we friends should, with Amanda. We so should we, totally we, watch that trailer. We should <laughs> call them call out on a Halloween episode. I don't... It looks great. She does internet, but yeah. No, it looks... I've seen the pictures. And I love that Lake Bell looks like Poison Ivy to me, so like as the characters come out, I can totally see them voicing Lake Bell looks like a drawing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a stunning lady. Sorry, honey. So I Wait, think that's all of our mind mutations, except for uh, we should briefly mention it's not as much news as it is. The Nightwing movie's not dead, uh, according to McKay. The yeah. director has been trying to get this thing moving forever. As you said, Robins are very hard to kill, as are Robin films. Mm-hmm. And our final bit, final bit of news was that late night talk shows, back in the day, the Avengers were on Letterman. And I love the fact that the Avengers are on Kimmel for West Coast Avengers. One, because everything's not in New York. And I really like that there's a West Coast team that is being taken seriously-ish. Two, it ties into the Disney mold. The Avengers all show up on Kimmel because it's owned mm-hmm. by Disney. So I love the life imitating art, imitating reference, imitating nostalgia. Uh, so it's this really funny, like zeitgeist crush. Uh, what do you guys think about when crossovers into real world happen? I love it. And I, I, West Coast Avengers is one of my favorite things I'm reading right now. And Mr. and Mrs. X, because I'm just a huge Rogan Gambit fan from the 90s. So I'm so happy. Um, and I think Kelly uh, Thompson is brilliant. I think she is really, really, really great. Kelly's amazing. She's so great. And brilliant. she writes that. I mean, West Coast Avengers, like, it's a crazy, crazy story. It's, it's full of humor and heart. It's really modern as well. I love how they're trying to set up the team. You've got Hawkeye there. Both Hawkeyes. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got Brewdock as well. <laughs> like, Brewdock's I mean, you have to, anyone's not read this, you have to read West Coast Avengers. I like it when these crossovers happen. I think it's really, really fun. I would kind of, though, like, because Kimmel and things like that, and all these talk shows are really American. I kind of want a Britishy, European type crossover. Like a Craig Ferguson crossover? No, like, a kind of like, we have like Graham Norton. Man. We've got like Graham Norton yeah. and stuff like that. I don't know if that would go down, it wouldn't be as cool. I love Graham Norton. Or just like, you know, West Coast Adventure, uh, Avengers coming into like parliament in London and just drop kicking Theresa May in the face sorry I'm not a big fan uh, but yeah just kind of like sorting Brexit and stuff out that would be really really great Brexit's cancelled woo um, so I kind of would like that to kind of cross over but I love it this is just a lot of fun so yeah I'm all up for it and please read West Coast Avengers because it's very very it good. might be one of our pull lists this week it's phenomenal you may foreshadowing for five minutes from now <laughs> before we talk comics I want to talk to you guys about comics you are both knee deep in the comic industry you're in a world that so many people that watch the show want to be in and that are inspired by what is it like you said hellfire club you work for image mm-hmm. what's it so you work for a, a company that started in this heyday of 90s and that basically was founded like renegades yeah it does it still have that flavor uh it does to a degree it's evolved like it's no longer you know like violent muscle men booby ladies um it, now it's now it's like um uh, like stories that need to be told, so like kind of like really different stories. Um, I mean, he also has a couple books over at Image, so it's just like, and we're working on a book together over at Image, which is really dark and right. really sad. It's a bummer. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's Stone it's Cold bogus. Bummer. <laughs> oh, <That's> bogus. bogus. <laughs> um, but so what I think what what's really nice and like um, about uh, what Image does now is that they they tell different stories and they tell different stories as comics. So it's like you know you get like indie films, you get like TV shows and stuff like that. You get like that kind of media, but in comics, comic telling stories in comics is a different form of storytelling. And the fact that there is a platform and it's such a big platform yeah. for telling different stories with different storytellers. I think is really important yeah. for this industry and for arts in general. Mm-hmm. 
I was at um, MCM Comic Con uh, in London last weekend and I was interviewing some of the creators there in, in the Comic Village and um, one of the questions I asked was about the movies and you know this resurgence and if it's if creators are feeling that smaller creators and indie creators and some of the creators I talked to were like uh, read comics like they weren't really that <laughs> just read comics but they weren't they weren't saying don't go to the films love the films but uh, like what do you what's your take on that you're both involved in the comics world do you celebrate that is it helping or would you rather people just forget it and come read the comics no it's all there's there's room for all of it right mm-hmm, and there's mm-hmm. you know uh, for instance like i mean <clears throat> you know it, it i'm i'm adapting some of my stuff uh into films and i i people get hung up on like oh this they're, they're gonna take that that comic book that i love and they're gonna make it into a film they're gonna ruin it right that's impossible you can't ruin it because the book exists on the shelf that's a that's a really powerful thing unless they invent time travel like watchman's fine yeah. you know uh, so it, so i'm 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 all in favor of things that um broaden the horizons and get people to um accept it and get into it i don't believe it there's that much crossover i think that people choose how they absorb it mm-hmm. i think people choose to either read daredevil comics or if they have netflix they've absorbed it and that's enough like i don't i don't uh, sadly don't think there's a whole lot of people who are getting into daredevil comics because of the show um but that's fine you know i mean i think it's rad that these characters have such staying power that they they like a virus will evolve with the times and they always have right as soon as they were able to to make car- cartoons batman became a cartoon as soon as they were able to make films batman became that and batman will continue to evolve into every single like version of entertainment that we invent right um so i'm all i'm all on board with it and, and, and personally i'm a huge nut for all the marvel films because i'm in the Marvel Hellfire Club, I know everything that happens in the comics. Everything. Mm-hmm. And so nothing is a surprise anymore. But I get to go in to watch Infinity War knowing nothing and get surprised by it. And it's the only time that I personally get to feel like a kid again because I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm I'm well in favor of all of it. I love what you said about it not being able to be touched because it's already in print. Like, yeah. that yeah. exists. I don't, these people thinking it ruins things. I love when they modify because we get to experience... Like, we're, if we've read a book, you don't want it to be colored by numbers when you watch it. You right. want to experience the same thing. So right. I think it's important to branch out. Yeah. Uh, with you writing some of the most metal comics on shelves right now, <laughs> and, like, you're being influenced. I love Thanos so much. And I didn't think that character really had the, the multiple issue holding power that mm-hmm. it did back in the 80s. What were you influenced by? Obviously, the 90s and Venom and all those things. What inspired you to make these comics the tone that they, they, they all feel like they have? I don't know, man. I'm just trying to entertain myself. And I, I, try, and, um, I try and zig when everyone thinks I'm going to zag. Um, I try and, I, you know, I, I talk to my friends a lot. And I talk to her a lot. And if I can, if, if people can guess a thing that I'm going to do, I'm not ever going to do it. <laughs> so if you think that you know what's coming in any of my books, I, I always try and veer. And I always, I always just do thought experiments of like, well, yeah, but what if this? And then that thing inevitably is metal. Like yeah. <laughs> doing, doing the opposite of what you think is going to happen uh, sometimes uh, just always veers into being badass. Um, and then I just, I'm just a lunatic and I like to have fun. And like something like Cosmic Ghost Rider is just such a thing that shouldn't, it shouldn't, <laughs> yeah, it, it shouldn't exist at all. Um, I just, people ask me all the time how I came up with that character. And they're always disappointed to learn that I thought it would be a cool like airbrush drawing in the side of a van and that's <laughs> that's the entirety of where that came from um because like that's the thing is that like a character like like 
Ghost Rider and Venom, they're just rad drawings yeah. that like were rad enough to inspire people to come and read them. And then like the writers were like, well, all right, screw it. I guess I'll make this into a thing if you guys like it, you know? And so I don't think that that's necessarily bad. I, I'm a firm believer in art having um, a role no matter what, what form it takes. And by that, I mean, you know, especially in, in, in the time that we're in right now where the real world is somewhat dire and, and somewhat of a bummer, right? Um, I think that uh, for a lot of art, it's important as artists for us to shine a light on the bad stuff and to talk about um, how you can change things and take a platform and stand up for things. Um, and use our platform to educate and inform, right? That's important, right? It is also important, though, for us to um, dig escape tunnels away from how how terrible things are. Mm -hmm. And I, in my image books and my creator-owned things, I tend to do the latter. I tend to talk about things that affect me and tend to be very serious. But with my Marvel work, man, I just, as a kid growing up in some, some kind of harsh circumstances, reading Spider-Man was a really cool way to get away from shit, you know? And so I try to entertain and keep things pretty light and provide people a chance to get away from all the terrible. And so I'm trying to keep people entertained, and I'm trying to make a lot of noise. You are. I, uh, yeah. I'm digging them. Uh, Megan does rock stars, mm -hmm. so and which is great. And rock stars nine's coming out soon. Yes, okay. no, next month. So this month. rock stars for those who don't know, it's about the music industry being controlled by demons, mm -hmm. right? So at the moment, the runs in the eighties. Okay, so you're in the sort of the eighties right now. Do you foresee going? forward are you going to explore every decade are you going to go pop at one point kind of thing and like because i think the pop world is definitely definitely controlled but, by um, demons but uh, european pop british pop specifically <laughs> is definitely controlled by the devil ed sheeran's definitely sorry ed not a fan but uh, ed sheeran's definitely got something to do with satan um no i mean we're taking a break actually right mm -hmm. now um but uh, for the we the next uh, arc is the '90s, and we're actually going to do hip hop. Oh, nice! Oh, um, also, I mean, that's yes, another please. thing. It's like uh, hip hop music, especially in the '90s, it was so influential mm -hmm. with everything. And like I'm, you know, like a lot of us who grew up in the '90s, like the, that's like the shit that we grew up with. Um, but also, kind of like giving a voice because I mean. Unfortunately, a lot of music and rock history is all uh, white dudes, so we kind of wanted to um, mix it up. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, just, and also good. there are not a lot of women. I would throw women in this comic as much as possible, but like, man, there are not a lot of women in like rock history. There's it's a big research, like, but then you've got like the Riot Girl stuff and things like mm -hmm. that in the '90s, which I, you know, but then I guess there's more stuff was, like now. Yeah, there's more. There was more stuff, but that's why. I, Danny, who's like the lead in the in the second arc, is a woman because I was just like, we have to <laughs> more more ladies, please. Yeah, yeah just change it up. Yeah. Yeah. So we can talk comics for an yep. hour, and we will and need to. Yes. We'd love to have you guys back on because you're a wealth of knowledge in both the indie mainstream, all things Always comic as book, Bill and Ted, and as Bill and Ted. Every time you're here, obviously, when our book comes out, we'll come I mean, back on and plug it. Yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah. please. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, I'm gonna quickly just read the poll list real quick, just aloud, and then uh, we'll talk about that. Tweet us, talk to us about it. There's a lot going on. Very full episode. I wanted to talk to you guys about your work as well as everything else in the news this week, but the poll 
list this week. We've got Avengers Halloween special number one because it is, in fact, Halloween Ooh. on a Wednesday. Got to drop that book. We got <laughs> Batman Secret Files number one, which introduces plutonium kryptonite, which has some interesting ramifications. Check that out. Marvel 2 and 1 number 11, the Fantastic Four are finally meeting back up, all of them together. It's been 10 issues. Finally catches up to that continuity. Very important book. West Coast Avengers number Woo! three. We talked about issue four earlier. We talked about how good that book is. Check out West Coast Avengers number three. And Tony Stark, Iron Man number five, brings back a certain brother. So all of these books are giant event books, all happening one day. Everything in there is a arguably must read. And Avengers Halloween special number one is multiple friends of ours working on that book. Yes, I wanted, like, I read that this morning. My friend, uh, so Jay Baruchel uh, wrote Punisher of the Opera um, in, in this uh, Halloween special, and he'd been saying for months, like, this is a Marvel thing happening. It's happening. And he, and he was really downplaying it, and then it came out today, and I was like, I texted him, I was like, dude, like, it's a big book. It's this. <laughs> so, big shout out, because, and he's a massive Punisher fan. Hell yeah. Massive. So, when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, of course you've managed to, <laughs> like, basically, his childhood, boyhood dreams. He's like, I'm going to write about Punisher. Like, I can see that he's done. So, it's great. It's so much fun. Like, there's, it's just a series of short stories by some great writers. It's really, it's just a good Halloween. And it's Halloween. It's so, so pick great. it up on Halloween. Have a new medium for Halloween. And yes. Rob Fee, you killed it on that book, Rob. It's fantastic. I briefly mentioned the little speed round versions of these books. Check them all out. Tweet us. We love to talk comics. Yes. And that is all the time we have for today. Oh. So much love for you guys. Thank you very much. Read comics and stay sweaty. Thanks. Napa Know How. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales price does not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Once again, guys, this is John Roca. If you're a DC fan, you'll definitely want to check out the latest live-action series, Titans, available now on DC Universe. Series premiered on October 12th. New episodes available to stream every Friday. It's the first original series to launch on DC Universe. Follows a group of young, soon-to-be superheroes, Dick Grayson, slash Robin, Rachel Roth, slash Raven, Coriander, slash Starfire, Gar Logan, slash Beast Boy. The group gets caught up in a conspiracy to bring about hell on Earth. They become a surrogate family and a team of heroes. It's a gritty take on the Teen Titans franchise from executive producers Akiva Goldsman, Jeff Johns, Greg Berlanti, Greg Walker, Sarah Schechter, and John Fawcett. Titans Explorers were the most popular comic book teams ever.